0: You're listening to Impulse to Innovation. The Institution of Mechanical Engineers podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Helen Mees. As a global community of mechanical engineers with over 120,000 members in 140 countries, the Institution of Mechanical Engineers has been at the heart of the engineering profession since 1847. The institution's mission is to improve the world through engineering by sharing the latest news, views and insight into the creative world of technology and the people that make it happen. Hello, and welcome to the new season of Impulse to Innovation. Believe it or not, as of the end of December 2022, we have produced 30 episodes of the podcast. We've reached 98 countries and have had over 14 and a half thousand downloads. Thank you so much to you, our listeners, for continuing to support our show. We really do appreciate it. And don't forget, you can subscribe to the show on our main site on Podbean, the link is in our episode notes, or via any podcast service you use. If you prefer, you can also listen to us on the iMacke's website via the newly embedded audio link on the homepage. We also love hearing from our listeners, so don't forget you can email us via podcast at imakey.org. Let us know what you think of the show, experiences that you want to share with us, or even give us some ideas of things that you might like to hear. We have some fascinating engineering topics planned for the coming year, including innovations in composite materials, how measurement standards are created and maintained, and of course, energy and transport issues. We will also be looking at the latest developments in education and skills for engineers, as well as the public perception of our own profession and I am so looking forward to sharing some of the policy work our HQ team will be undertaking, and the extensive events calendar planned by both our technical divisions and groups, as well as across our 16 regions. There's going to be something for everyone. In this month's episode, we kick off with a look at what the year ahead has in store for the imac focusing on the institution's upcoming strategy release in May, and its 2023 aspirations, as well as the role the Technical Strategy Board plays in ensuring the IMAC's members have a platform to share their latest thinking and expertise from its 18 divisions and groups. Today's guests are James Partington and Paul Jones. James is the newly appointed Director of Engineering Policy and Impact and joined the IMCE in October last year with the task of delivering the institution's impact strategy, ensuring members engineering expertise is heard as wide as possible in government and broader communities. I started by asking James to share a little bit about himself and why a move from being a civil servant to a membership executive director was so appealing. Hi James and welcome to the eye to eye podcast. It is great to have you on the first episode of 2023.
1: Hi Helen, thank you so much for having me. I'm really pleased to be here.
0: As I said in my introduction, you took on the role of Director of Engineering Policy and Impact back in October of last year, is that right? Yeah
1: that's right yeah today's actually three months in the role so oh, really? to the day it's so quite exciting yeah a bit of a landmark almost. As <laughs> yeah as
0: oh well we've timed it very well then but before we kind of get into that side of things perhaps you could um, tell us a little bit about yourself and what got you interested in science and, and how has it led you to, to us here at the IMCE?
1: Yeah thank you what a great question to open with so look, about three questions in one there so maybe I'll try and split those out and I uh, and answer them in turn um so uh something about me and what got me interested in science and how I got here um yeah, so I, I guess I'm so grooved with saying that I'm a civil servant, but I, I kind of, I, tricky to get out of that groove, but I should say that, I mean, I spent my last 13 years working in the civil service as a as a policy official and, and across a number of different roles, mostly around the business department. Uh, I did some work in what was UKTI, now Department of International Trade. And uh, three years working in the Office for Lermish and Vehicles, which was part of Department of Transport, was located within. I, I don't know, people might be interested to hear about some of the stuff I did in those roles. I was responsible for the safe closure of the SSI steelworks in and Redcar and Teesside, which had some quite interesting engineering challenges. Um, I wasn't responsible for day-to-day boots on the ground, but it's more of like the strategic context of how we handled some of that stuff. Yeah. My most recent role, I was responsible uh, for part of the science policy landscape. Uh, and it had three and a half years with policy responsibility for uh, nuclear fusion. And uh, what we were doing there, I know that's Uh, been in the headlines quite a bit recently Um, also held the government contracts with the public weather service with the met office and the national measurement system i know we've got many of our members down at npl site in teddington National physical laboratory and uh, we contracted them to deliver that i was also uh, responsible for our negotiations with the european commission for Euratom research and training. And that sits alongside the Horizon programme and the Copernicus programme, so one of the three science programmes. I'm sure people will be interested in some of that.
0: Yeah,
1: and, and then finally, I had policy responsibility in this role for our governance of our membership of international research infrastructures. So, things like CERN, European Spallation Source um, in London, Sweden, which were in construction. So, it's quite interesting to have sat on the governing council of those. Um, wow. And uh, maybe more broadly about me outside work. I'm married. I've got a four-year-old son and a 19-month-old daughter, and they keep me pretty busy. I can um, imagine. And if yeah, <laughs> and if after that I got any spare time, um, I try and play a bit of squash or go for a run. Maybe even occasionally sneak out for a game of golf.
0: I'm, I'm surprised you find any time to, to do any sort of sports with all of that going on. <laughs> but oh,
1: I don't actually. I don't do much these days. That's true.
0: <laughs> but it's really it's really great to hear that breadth of of science engagement that you've been involved in and it must have been quite interesting to to work on different areas of of science policy in in that respect.
1: Yeah, very much so. It's, it's fascinating and um I mean you I think you said what got me interested in science and uh I I was lucky to have a really broad science role across those different areas that I mentioned and certainly I didn't do it all myself. I had a big team that helped me work on all those things, sure. but I guess my, my training, as it were, my university degree is earth sciences. And um, that stemmed from growing up in Cornwall and having such fantastic geology on the doorstep and the geography and the, the natural environment and outside. and being uh, reasonably proficient at uh, sciences and maths, I guess, and an interest in geography, kind of natural evolution into earth sciences degree. Uh, And and, uh, and eight years at university later, I'd probably say I was a geochemist or probably, more accurately, a paleo-oceanographer. So i studied a fair amount of um, strontium-calcium ratios, magnesium-calcium ratios to reconstruct ocean temperatures and things like that. Uh, uh, but I didn't want to be an academic, but I kind of retained that real interest in science and that understanding of how things work. And I think that may be what led me through to real interest in engineering and the parallels. I could see a lot of parallels already with what I do and what I have done.
0: Yeah, yeah. What kind of got you f- thinking about coming to to work with the IMCE? Because it is it is kind kind of a slight change in in what you've been doing uh, within government
1: yeah i'd say it's similar but different and uh, i mean i've always known of imaki as an organization it's been on the doorstep it's something that i and my colleagues have worked with imaki before um even last year i came here and gave the policy update on fusion at the fusion event uh, yeah. alongside the launch of the fusion report so it's certainly something that i've known about um uh, i mentioned earlier about uh the negotiations with the european commission alice used to work in uk space agency they were the organizations that i sponsored i sat on the board and i worked closely with alice so i knew alice i've known the organization It's somebody alice is somebody i've i've kind of respected uh highly and, and always wanted to work with and the organization has been of interest to me but i probably be honest to say I had no idea of the breadth and the depth of what the membership does and I still feel like I'm just scratching the surface in terms of getting to know people and, and the amazing things that they get up to the more I uh, saw and understood about the role the more I, I researched it the more interested I got and I guess by the end of the process, I was really keen for the job and very pleased I got it. Yeah,
0: no, that's excellent. Yeah, it, it is one of those kind of Alice in Wonderland moments when you come into the IMaKey. You never know what you're going to find next as to what um, the engineers are doing. And um, I, I've certainly had that experience coming into biomedical engineering. You know, it was a whole Pandora's box of incredible technology and, and engineering. So um, I'm sure you're going to have a similar similar experience to to what I've had as well.
1: It's, I mean, it's really exciting. Uh, I mean, engineers working on society's issues to come up with uh Solutions that society needs that take us forward. I mean, that, that if you can't get excited about this kind of thing, I don't know what you can get excited about. It's, it's a really rewarding role, and I think having worked across a range of science policy and other government policies, there's those ones where you feel like you've made a difference yeah. to society and you, and you've you've moved the world forward um, on the debate of of policy issues or, uh, or policy content. And I think this role is a really great opportunity to kind of live my personal values uh, from a different perspective and, and bring those through to the role.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, being part of an exec team of an institution as big as the Imechi is obviously quite a challenge. And as you mentioned, you know, you've been 3 months in the role as of today. So how's it been so far and and what have you found most interesting as you've been getting to know the place, the people and some of the issues that the institution faces?
1: Yeah, I mean, 3 months. I can't believe the time's absolutely flown by. Um, <laughs> I was reflecting on this, and and I'd say it's probably how easy it has been to fit into the role. Um, And I say that from talking to members and working with members. Uh, And as I'm scratching the surface of getting to know the membership, I've met quite a few. Um, I was lucky enough to have had the 175th celebration in Birmingham since I started and it was a great way to meet a huge number of people from different divisions and groups yeah. and regions um, and the international board as well uh, which I which I went to just before I joined but meeting some of my international members as well the staff and the wider stakeholders have been fantastic as well and I should probably also say my team have been really great in bringing me up to speed Um, Some of the things uh, from a policy perspective, have maybe landed more naturally and other things uh, like some of the challenges and the fantastic things we're doing in the library. I'm really delighted to have such expert team working here with me um, on some of the things that we're doing. So. I'd, I'd say the, the, my main takeaway is how easy it's been to to fit in and maybe bring some value from the policy perspective and hit the ground running on day one. Also, I mean, I, I mentioned earlier, just like the breadth, uh, I got excited when I was applying for the role, but just even better understanding now I'm here feet under the desk of what people do. And uh, I guess it's like one of the challenges to try and Uh, hear the views of the membership and have policy impact with that and um, just think about how we structure and coordinate and organize what we do to make that as easy for members and ourselves um, to go away and, and think about how we can go and whether that's influenced the policy debate or the public debate on engineering issues.
0: Yeah, well, there's certainly a lot of voices within the membership. They're all very keen to to give their thoughts and opinions on not only how the institution should go forward, but informing society more broadly on on the importance of engineering. So you, you're going to have your hands full, I know, <laughs> from us members. But uh, but certainly from that point of view, you know, we're all keen to, to really... Create opportunities to to develop that kind of policy. So it's it's really nice to hear that you're really excited about that side. And also, you talked there about the the international members as well. And we're we're going to be having a show later on in the year from our some of our international members on energy. I won't give too much away to our listeners now, but um, I'm really looking forward to hearing their viewpoints. And I think our our international community very much wants to have a voice within some of the issues that and challenges we're we're facing as engineers so that's that's going to be something that you're obviously going to be able to dig into in the coming year as well
1: yeah well i mean that's that's fascinating and i mean you talk about the challenges members wanting to come and talk to us on the policy side i mean that's a really nice problem to have and uh, i think that's uh, that's that's a good problem in my book (laughs) Um, uh, and the international angle i mean uh, having sat on as i say on the governing council of cern and these other big science facilities that's a really interesting dynamic and maybe when you strip away the geopolitical angle that I had to deal with in government you get a really strong desire for collaboration on science and engineering and that's a really exciting thing too and you can bring along a lot of best practice from different countries and what we're doing well here we can take that to other countries as well so I'm quite excited to see where that goes
0: yeah me too i, I think this this coming year is going to be very interesting i think for for the institution now we're coming out of covid and i think people are getting back into that real drive to to make change so it's it's Going to be a good year, I think, from that point of view. Yeah,
1: I hope so. I, I agree. It's it's nice to see people in the building, um, and the facilities being used, and it's it's great just to come into the building and bump into members. Yeah. It's happening, as I know, more and more people. But um, yeah, if you're here, uh, I'm in the building most days, um, so I'm always keen to see people and hear from people.
0: Oh well, we'll we'll make sure that people know that you're there. <laughs> it's probably not a good thing to tell them on the podcast. They'll all be round your office. Now your your previous role at base uh, covered domestic and international science policy as you've already mentioned and that was very much focused on nuclear fusion and the Euratom research and training science program uh, was a key part of that role the energy challenges we face globally are a big part of the Army keys key strategic goals so what areas of energy policy will you be focusing on this year and and what are you hoping that we can achieve in terms of wider impact in that area
1: uh that's a really great and very difficult question <laughs> uh, i think it's a really really vast subject i think it'd be all too easy for me to say fusion i mean i've got a real policy love for fusion uh, but we covered that last year in a great report and if you haven't seen that and the podcast as well um, i think take a listen uh matt rooney and my team produce an excellent report there so do take a look at that on things like this i'd I'm careful not to be drawn into a bit of a knee-jerk reaction to we're going to do this, that, and the other. And one of the things I quite like doing is uh, putting a bit of process down. So uh, one of the things we're doing, I mean, it's lucky with the start of the year, is mapping our policy work for 2023. This is a combination, I think, of uh, the excellent bottom-up ideas from the membership. And... I think the value add from our role is understanding the policy landscape, Um, what topics are hot at the moment, what are ministers working on, what are uh, the civil service policy officials working on and advising ministers on, and other stakeholders as well. I think our network and our our, our trusted advice that we can provide from this team into those uh, ministers and officials allows us to position our policy input well to have maximum impacts. I mean, nobody wants to produce a report that sits on a shelf because it didn't quite hit the policy interest. So what we're doing, I mean, to talk around your question slightly, is to think about where the policy debate is going this year and also where we have expertise and interest and um, members of volunteers when they're involved. So where's the interest in volunteers? So I think being able to navigate and plot that will give us a, a basis from which we can then come back and communicate to say this is where our priorities are um, and what we're going to do in terms of influencing the policy debate. I I still haven't really answered your question, but uh, (laughs) I think, I uh, I mean, if you're going to put me on the spot slightly, I'd say things like small modular reactors are really exciting. I see a lot of conversations happening inside and outside government about what is the UK's supply chain capability? Uh, What would we have to do in the UK to build out our expertise to allow us to deliver those? Uh, And that's maybe the kind of thing that I think we as an organisation are really well placed to take a considered view on some of the challenges and the breadth of expertise within our membership to maybe bring through some of the thoughts on what we would like to see or need to see from a UK perspective to position ourselves to maximise our opportunity uh, as, as a country as a whole. Yeah. Freezing cold temperatures at the moment, and some of the stuff that we've just seen in the news about asking people to turn off electricity, uh, electrical appliances, um, energy efficiency, and supply is a red hot top topic in government. Um, we've got the energy bill going through parliament. Um, this year. And things like that, I think, are hooks for us to go and have maximum impact. Mm. And so thinking about what are the topics that they're going to be debating in the in the energy bill? Are there any areas where we have particular interest or expertise or things that we'd like to see? And then maybe feeding into those various debates. So there's also another example of how we might be able to engage in in this topic through the course of the year. Uh, and then maybe finally, I we'll probably can't sit here and not think about some of the upcoming reports that we've got in draft, but adapting to heat reports, maybe loosely tangential to the energy debate. But uh, that's something we've got lined up to publish in spring. So watch this space, it's exciting. Um, and that will cover like the impact of heat on people, industrial equipment and buildings. Energy related to some extent, but um, I think that's quite an exciting thing as well.
0: Yes, certainly a long-term debate and discussion that not just our members, but more broadly society is going to be having for a long time and i suppose from your point of view there's the aspect of dealing with those long-term issues and and developing policy from that point of view but also dealing with the sort of the crises that maybe come up as well and being able to respond rapidly giving government responses on our ideas as, as an engineering community so you you're you're having to balance both sides of that scale aren't you i suppose yeah and
1: I mean, that's really interesting to reflect on that. And I think we've got a bit of a toolbox of tools, if you want to think of how we can go and influence policy. And if it's a critical issue, you'd hope that there's that was a risk that was identified and there's a bit of a pre-prepared and pre-planned response. But if you're looking at uh, building in um, some assurance around some of the assumptions or decisions, we can certainly get involved in that. And I think that's something where maybe our members can provide uh, company impartial and really highly expert advice. If you're talking about building an evidence base for maybe some of that more longer term policy input or of governments looking to consult either formally or informally, I think that's something uh, we can do too and we can draw on our on our membership and the expertise that sits within our membership to really think about how we can go about helping policy officials set out the evidence base and some of the challenges um, that we're facing now and into the future and what role engineering can can play to to address and fix those challenges.
0: Yeah. Now, I know this is a little bit of an early question to ask you, but as engineering director, what are your aspirations for the institution as we're kind of heading out of our 175th anniversary year? And what can IMICI members look forward to seeing from you and the team uh, in the short term?
1: You asked what it's like to be in a leadership role in an organisation like IMICI, and I think uh, I mean, it's hugely exciting and a real privilege to have this position. Um, and maybe there's some really easy answers to your question, because the, the top headline uh, deliverables of the organization are also my deliverables, so I can a bit of a cop-out answer, but <laughs> the strategy that we've got coming out in a few months uh, and being the director with responsibility for thinking about impact and how we have impact and we touched on some of that that's that's something that's front and center of my mind to make sure that we capture that appropriately and we set out a clear plan and 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 that's something we can then take to members with our intention and that helps build out the day-to-day activities which you might set out in a business plan and looking for a multi-year um, like a financial plan that can help set a bit of certainty and direction Um, So that's a bit of content without an absolute answer. We've also got a big decision on the building coming up, and that's looming. Um, And so I hope all members are going to engage with that process, and there'll be more information coming out on that in the near future. But successfully navigating both of those and then taking action off the back of um, the the decisions that are taken and the documents that are produced uh, will also, I think, occupy quite a bit of our time. I talked a little bit about the policy process and prioritization work uh, that we're doing once we get that down on paper I'd like to put that out to members so they can see and understand what we're doing we can have a bit of a schedule uh, through the year the big ticket events our prestige lectures our reports that we're going to have coming out alongside those and how people can get involved and uh, offer their I guess their time and their expertise and we can draw that out of our membership as best as possible uh, and I guess alongside this I talked a little bit about getting to know stakeholders and uh, I found myself reflecting over the last few days there's the African proverb if you want to go fast go alone if you want to go far go together and uh, I'm quite aware more so than I ever was before joining the number of engineering institutions uh, the PEIs uh, and on some issues we've got real common ground and I think that's a great place to go and stand alongside one another and have a stronger voice And it's Uh, very easy when you're in government when people have a united voice that are all saying the same thing with a good evidence base to then take action so i think there's a lot of work that we can do alongside those and other key stakeholders the engineering policy center which will help us really have impact of what we're trying to do uh, from a policy perspective, and, and I guess be uh, integral to the engineering policy ecosystem. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I feel like I shouldn't leave here without plugging some of the work that we're doing on our library and our digital services. Yeah. Um, so uh, I know many of our members do use the library, uh, maybe less so taking out um, hard copies of books, but certainly libraries online and uh, do take a look. It's a fantastic facility for members, um, and we're working hard with our our digital offer there. So watch. Space. And and I guess lastly, um, I've just been having a fantastic conversation today with Helen James. It's it's on my mind about what we're doing on education, outreach, and skills. And I know a huge number of our members spend a lot of time doing outreach work, and it's very rewarding. Um, and just thinking about what we can do on the education policy and skills landscape as well with T-levels and a huge amount of work coming through. So just wrapping my head around the opportunities and what we can bring to that part of the policy debate as well. That's something really exciting and I'm, I'm hoping that we can Uh, do a bit more in terms of setting out what our offer is and how we can go and have impact. And finally, before I forget, uh, I wanted to mention uh, PE Magazine. I know it's a fantastic document that many members enjoy reading. We'll also have uh, plans to go digital and more and more digital in the organisation. So I'd quite like to trial um, a digital version of PE Magazine. I don't know if anyone um, has any thoughts. Uh, I'd be interested in hearing what would work well. I guess there's an open invite for some feedback to come back to me. But um, I, I think that that's something that we should certainly trial, and that will help broaden our offer to international members and uh, provide content that maybe we weren't able to provide in a hard copy. So I think that's quite exciting opportunity as well. So a few things, or maybe quite a few things that. Uh, on my to-do list as I look through into 2023
0: yeah that's that's quite a busy schedule there James I think yeah it, that sounds really exciting to to have um you know another digital offering and and it's certainly the way that a lot of people now are looking to get their information that's why we started the podcast and indeed you inadvertently touched on a few of the subjects that we may be doing as shows throughout the podcast year as well there so I'm quite excited to explore some of those particularly the education you took about T levels and that's an area I'm I'm quite fascinated by so we may have to talk to Hel- Helen James bring her on the show uh, maybe to talk about that subject so it, it sounds like you've got a quite a busy but but very focused year ahead it sounds like you, you're going to have plenty of things to do and, and get the members involved in as well which is great
1: yeah I'm really I'm really relishing the, the opportunity um, to do that and as I say uh, I'm getting to know more and more members um, the tricky thing is you don't know what you don't know and you don't know which members hold fantastic levels of knowledge or expertise on issues and I I think the big trick is almost finding how we can access member I guess time and expertise and, and pull that into some of the work that we're doing so we can uh, represent the broad view of members and, and pull it out um, uh, yeah it's, it's quite a ex- exciting forward look I mean some Big challenges there, certainly. But um, I think that's the kind of thing that motivates me. And I can see like a nice path through and maybe we can review and reflect at the start of 2024 and see how we've progressed against all of those things
0: oh we'll definitely have you back on the show that's for sure and we obviously have our email address it's podcast so anybody listening to the show will be able to drop us a line as many members do and we can always pass that on to you james if there's uh, if there's ideas and suggestions coming from the members
1: yeah always keen to hear them so thank you very much
0: James, thank you ever so much for joining me today. It's been a real pleasure and great to hear your enthusiasm for this new role that you're taking on. We wish you all the best of luck through the coming year uh, and also look forward to seeing some of the output from the policy team as well. Thanks very much.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Thank you.
0: Paul Jones is a Fellow of the Institution past Chair of the Automotive Division, and is presently the Chair of the Technical Strategy Board, one of the seven operational boards which provides insight and guidance to the trustees. I had Paul on the podcast this time last year, And I wanted to catch up with him to get his thoughts on the past year of events and happenings in the divisions and groups, as well as to discuss the vital work being carried out by the TSB members in creating a long-term plan to raise the voice of mechanical engineering and generate greater impact in society. Paul and I started off by looking back over 2022. Paul, welcome to Eye to Eye. It is a pleasure to have you on the show again. 2022 was a rather busy year for the IMAQ, wasn't it, with its 175th anniversary. What were the outstanding events or happenings for you and and what impact do you think they had or will have on members going into the new year?
2: Well, hi, Helen. Likewise, always a pleasure to speak with you. And uh, thanks again for the the opportunity to participate today. You're right. Really busy year in terms of highlights, uh, of course, 175th anniversary of the uh, institution, and we had a you know a wonderful um, event in the uh, central library in Birmingham, which was uh, very very memorable. So that's certainly one of the uh, the standout uh, events for me. But you know really busy on on the sort of policy front as well. So, you know, some of the things the technical strategy board has been involved in, contributions to the uh, chief medical officer Sir Chris Whitty's uh, report on air pollution. I think you were involved yourself, Helen. I was, and certainly Andrew Fraser. Um, chair of the, of the Automobile Division Board was involved too. So, you know, it's great to be getting, you know, the IMechE and the world of engineering's voice, you know, right up there with, you know, the, these key stakeholders in, in government. Peter Flynn's report on net zero, which we prepared for COP27, again, a standout piece of work. And, and for me, you know, thinking about other involvement we had with government, which which has been highlights for me this year, a technical strategy board contributed to the roundtable event with Chris Skidmore, which um, contributed to his net zero review, which as we know was published late last year. And we also hosted a parliamentary and scientific committee um, event um, at Westminster in October, and that that was that was a really great opportunity to get you know to the heart of government, and that was about the role of engineers in achieving net zero so i like to think we've had you know quite a strong voice over the last 12 months on some, on some key global challenges and topics going forward
0: yeah, well, the, the focus there has been very much on the sustainability, on climate change, on on net zero, and I think that's a big focus for us as an institution, not just in the past twelve months, but going forward. And I'm, I'm guessing we'll we'll come to talk about that shortly. But I also um, I missed out on the uh, on the anniversary dinner, which was a pretty sad thing. But uh, it sounds like it was a fantastic way to finish off what is and has been a really special year for the institution. So it's, it's great to hear all of those things that have been going on and, and all of the impact that, that members have had over the last 12 months. Now, as chair of the Technical Strategy Board, it's your job to oversee the work of 18 divisions and groups, am I right there?
2: That's correct, 18, that's right.
0: I mean, it's a big task, uh, let's not let's not make this you know um, anything that it isn't. It is a big task for you. How do you ensure all of these specialisms get a voice and and can represent their industry sectors through the work that TSB does?
2: So Helen, you're right. It's it's a big task, but it's you know it's an exciting task. It's a task I relish. You know the technical strategy board is the sort of engineering powerhouse of the institution. So you're quite right. It's a coming together of the 18 divisions and groups. And if you look at our sort of strategic priorities going forward, you mentioned sustainability, so climate and sustainability, future transport, a particular favourite of mine having spent over 30 years in the automotive sector. We've got infectious disease control, which I know is one which is close to your heart. And we've got education. All of these are complex, you know, interdisciplinary challenges going forward so by default we're involving all the divisions and groups in this you know there's no you can't you take future transport you can't just say well this is the automobile division you know we've got railway division we've got we've got um uh, aerospace, so we've got we've got multiple inputs in, into these. So you know, I, I I think it it almost comes by default, yeah. You, you know, in your in your daily job, that you know, engineering challenges are complex, you know, interdisciplinary challenges, if you like.
0: Yeah, you mentioned there about the you know the cross-cutting nature of uh, of some of that work and and how the relationship between the divisions and groups is very much, although they have their their specialisms, they're very much joined together, aren't they? I, I know I'm working with. Other divisions and groups at the moment to to plan for a policy statement, for example. So the, there's a lot involved in bringing those groups together and finding common ground, I suppose, to be able to communicate some of the the ideas that the institution has. You, you're
2: right, and, and you mentioned policy, and obviously that's a big part of the technical strategy board's work. I mean, you can you know you can say we're responsible for the technical output of the institution, and that sort of basically boils down in, into events and into policy and we you know we we talked about a number of policy items just earlier so i think let's talk a little bit about um, impact you mentioned the word impact and and you and i have both had the privilege last year have been involved in the sort of formulation of the institution's impact strategy Mm -hmm. and and you know that that sort of fits into the bigger 2030 vision of the institution you know it's um sort of mission strategic goals and values so we talked about eye to eye earlier well let's talk about the four eyes maybe <laughs> you know, inclusion integrity impact and innovation so if, if, we, if we come back to impact, we want to maximise the impact of our members in promoting engineering, you know, informing opinion and stimulating innovation for the benefit of society. So, that, so that's something we've been working hard at this year, and you know we, we've had um, great help. I mean, fantastic news with the appointment of um, James Partington as, as director of um, engineering impact and policy. You know, and that's going to really give us some additional momentum now in, in terms of going forward with this agenda.
0: Yeah, and obviously we've talked to James uh, on the show earlier. Um, we've got a, a real uh, sense of the direction that he wants to take the institution strategy and obviously as members we're right behind him on that now the TSB has been heavily involved in creating the institution's new strategic plans going forward and you just mentioned it there briefly that we've both been involved in, in our various roles with the institution in that and that's going to be finalized in the coming months and I believe it's it's something that we're aiming for in in May as as a release. That's right. How important is it to the institution as a whole? And what do you hope will be the long-term effect of that strategy on the way that mechanical engineering is perceived particularly?
2: Well, I think Helen, you and I both know through our daytime jobs over the years, strategy is key to any organization. Yeah. everything cascades from, from the strategy. It runs right through the whole organisation. It sort of shapes the way you organise yourself. It, it shapes your priorities. It, it shapes how you go about delivery. So for me... to to have finalised sort of strategy published, as you say, um, in the second quarter of this year. That's just really giving the institution some some really clear direction. And and not just for those who are members, but for people who interface with us as well. They can see that we've got sort of clear strategic goals and priorities.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's an important point as well, Paul, isn't it? That, That, you know, this is not just about us as an engineering community, but it's about our impact and the perception that people have outside of engineering and what we bring to the table and the voice that we bring and and how we can change and how we do change the world through engineering. What value do you think this development of this new strategy will have in terms of engaging with a, a wider public who are not necessarily aware about what engineers do?
2: That's a good question. Clearly there are some big some big challenges out there and you know it's engineers who are going to fix some of these challenges you know we we look we look at things like climate change for example and it will be engineers that help sort of find solutions to those those issues. And I think if the outside world can see sort of you know our clear strategy, our clear focus going forward then it will help in their sort of interactions with us um, and, and you're right you know we, we do want to improve the world through engineering and we and we need to get our get our message out there to the to the sort of the general public and more importantly to the policy makers to the likes of government you know some of the examples I mentioned earlier during our during our conversation.
0: Yeah indeed from a grassroots point of view our members going out and talking in schools and, uh, and at presentations and being part of that kind of community is where we will really drive that agenda and that change uh, over the long term, I suppose, which is a good thing.
2: <laughs> you're absolutely right, Helen. And you know, and we're an organisation of you know hundred thousand plus members. And you know, you mentioned earlier, you know, the technical strategy board and the eighteen divisions and groups, and that and that just shows the the absolute breadth we've got in terms of sort of expertise um, amongst our membership. You know, if you're looking at sort of maybe you know low carbon um, energy generation or transport for the future, we kind of stem the whole thing. Thing from the sort of the, the power generation at one end to you know designing the the, the vehicles, for example, to consume that power uh, to the end to the end user, we we span the whole the, the whole spectrum.
0: Yeah, and and it's something that goes invisibly on in the world. I'm very surprised how invisible engineering still is, even in today's environment of digital and and all of the other things that are going on. But hey, we keep going, we keep doing what we do, and that's the most important thing. I think
2: I think it's it's visible. I,
0: I, it's certainly not. I, I know. I
2: know what you mean, but it's certainly not invisible. It's visible, but maybe people just take it for granted. Yes. Sometimes, because because you know these solutions around us in in our in our daily life, in everything we do, the food we eat, uh, you know the houses we live in, the transportation we use to get to work, uh, etc. So it's all around, but people just take it for granted sometimes. I, I don't think they sort of you know um, join the dots. Yeah. And our, yeah, our job's to help them join those dots.
0: Most definitely. And I think we're both very passionate about doing that as well, <laughs> which is why we're here Certainly talking. Are. Now, we have some great events, conferences and policy pieces planned for this year across all the divisions and groups. And I've been hearing some of that from James and also from, from our team at HQ, um, Matt Rooney and, and his team. What areas of technical interest should our listeners be looking out for this year? What what things are kind of piquing your interest and, and the interest of our members? You're
2: right, Helen. We've got a busy programme. We've been working, as you as you know, sort of hard with, you know, Rob Porter and and the events team. Yeah. And you'll, you know, you'll you'll see a sort of number of key events this year. But again, they principally revolve around the sort of key Um, strategic priorities that we talked about earlier. So climate and sustainability, future transport, Infectious Disease Control um, Education. Some of the highlights for me, I guess, you know, uh, if I'm allowed to sort of look at my own division, automobile, yeah. um, EV batteries. EV batteries is is um, turning into sort of a really big event, bringing together you know, a huge community because as we know, batteries are you know, crucial to, to to transport and our drive to, towards net zero. So I had the uh, pleasure of chairing. Um, one day of the two-day conference we did at Silverstone late last year, and we will be repeating yeah. that conference again this year. So certainly, that's one of the one of the highlights for me, and something something to look out for as a as a community.
0: Well, one of our very first shows actually on the podcast was on the EV conference, and of course, we had the wonderful Robert Llewellyn uh, who came on to talk about his work and his uh, drive to to change people's thoughts on EV. So it'll be interesting two years on to to know more about what's going on, and in fact we do have a show planned on electric vehicles this year so I'm quite excited to to find out what's going on and particularly what what's happened at the conference so it might be nice to speak to some of the uh, attendees who are going to be taking part in that to find out what's uh, getting them excited I I know from from what I've been hearing uh, of some of the conferences I'm very excited about the incontinence conference Believe it or not, for our listeners, we do talk about incontinence in mechanical engineering, but actually their focus apparently this year is on sustainability as well and how can we create sustainable products for patients in the long term. So we cover a whole range of stuff, don't we, Paul? I mean, in terms of cars at one end to patient products at the other, there's a whole plethora of things that we're going to be covering. Oh, I think
2: so, Helen. And, you know, you you, you sort of touched on, you so an area which is close to you there with healthcare. And, you know, we talk about, you know, maybe the role of engineering not being that visible. And, you know, we don't have to go back very far, do we? Just, just over two years ago with the vaccine rollout. And again, yeah, The scientists did a fantastic job developing these COVID-19 vaccines in an unprecedented short period of time. But actually, in terms of the ramp up of vaccine production and distribution, that was down to engineers, play a key role in, in every part of society.
0: Yeah. Well, Paul, I don't know about you, but I'm really quite excited now about not only the shows that we've got ahead, which uh, I, I've talked about in my introduction, but also the things that are going on behind the scenes as well with our members and the things that they're taking part. So I'm really excited to find out more about what's going on this year. And obviously we will keep our listeners up to date with the the goings on at TSB. So As always, Paul, thank you very much for joining me and giving me an insight into what's happening in this coming year. And I look forward to speaking to you again soon. Thank you.
2: Helen, always a pleasure. I mean, I think, as you said, it's a really exciting time to be involved in the world of engineering and and, and, and to be part of that is such a privilege. So so thank you again for the opportunity of uh, speaking with you today.
0: That's all for this month. In next month's show, We will be examining how the manufacturing industry is withstanding the disruption left behind by the COVID epidemic and the resulting global economic and societal impacts it has had. We will be focusing on the growing interest in distributed manufacturing and how companies, big and small, are integrating this approach into their business processes and strategies. You've been listening to Impulse to Innovation, the institution of mechanical engineers podcast thanks for listening we'd love to hear from you so if you'd like to share any news or any feedback with us then please email us podcast at imakey.org. all the information on this episode can be found in the episode notes